I told you not to deviate from the mission. Hmm. Looks like you took a full load of strange energy straight to the cortex. What is strange energy, Doctor? Electrical phenomena with unknown properties. It can have all sorts of physical effects. Unlock parts of the brain, even endow godlike powers. Humanity has a complicated relationship with organized religion. Well, strange energies doesn't. Ever hear of Gary Mitchell? Oh, it got real weird real fast. Oh! Those energies weren't that strange. I'm fine. Now unhand me! Hello and welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Nach Karnik, and with me to resolve our last season cliffhangers are... Emily Bowen-Marlar. Bill Boywad. And Adam Bowen. Welcome to Strange New Takes, and welcome to this strange new world of Star Trek. Of new Star Trek, that is. Like, t today we're covering the first episode of Season 2 of Lower Decks, Strange Energies, and it's just going to be like new Star Trek forever now we're, we're just never gonna not have new star trek so let's let's see what it's like you jinxed yes. it i just saw new york times they've canceled everything oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well it was good while it lasted everybody. season two canceled after the first episode <laughs> okay um so uh Please also follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, also, tell your friends about the pod so they can come and check us out. And if you have a minute, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts because we are just greedy, greedy people when it comes to stars on Apple Podcasts. So <laughs> we'd find that very <laughs> gratifying if you would do that for us. <laughs> And as with every episode, we will be spoiling the heck out of this newest episode of Lower Decks. Basically, you just need to have watched all of Star Trek in order to be get what happens in Lower Decks. Um, so, yeah, just make sure you've watched everything before you listen to this podcast. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm excited to say, just like Adam introduced, we're talking about a new episode of Star Trek. It's the first episode of the second season of Lower Decks. It's named Strange Energies. It's written by Mike McMahon, directed by Jason Zurek. There's a production number here I could read you. There's an in-universe date, 11th of 11th produced in Lower Decks, 11th of 11th released, 802nd of 802 released. Oh, boy. Uh, strange new energy. What else is there to say? Nothing much. Let's say goodbye, everybody. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> as we do every week we're gonna start with our strange new takes so who's got a strange new take for me crew uh i'll go <clears throat> so my I, I just have a strange factoid um so in low earth orbit like if you were on the international space station right now uh or i'll put it this way if we built a tower as tall as the iss and you were on the top floor and you like stepped out the window, you would drop like a brick. It's it's like basically 1G where the ISS is. It's just circling the Earth so fast that it counter counteracts the gravity. So um, anyway, uh, in terms of this episode, I, I'll uh, kick it off with some uh, negativity. I was actually a little bit underwhelmed. I mean, it was fine. It was there was some funny stuff, but I thought as the as the a plot, this thing about. Uh, you know, Ransom becoming like Gary Mitchell was, it, there wasn't really enough substance there for me. <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll stay with your ISS theme and my strange new take bill and just share that uh, astronaut Megan MacArthur, who joined Instagram right before her current mission on the space station. Uh, she recently did a video where she showed a penguin called Gwyn Gwyn. And I think that is the best name for a penguin in the entire world. It's a little stuffed penguin, and she stuck it to a balloon and sent the balloon off to demonstrate, like, a uh, dork in a weightless oh, cool. environment. 
very cool stuff. So follow Megan MacArthur on Instagram and check out her cool videos from the space station while she's still up there. Apparently, she also likes trains, so uh, probably one of my favorite astronauts already. Uh, I just loved the finals like shot of this episode i wanted to hug it and keep it and watch it for the first time again and again and again which is impossible of course in this world that we live in but i just those three heads coalescing into Riker's smiling face it's just <laughs> it was pure gold i love my job <laughs> <laughs> i think that's what he said <laughs> i just i just love this show it's great uh, so I, I don't have anything about the ISS, but I have been watching, uh, uh, For All Mankind on, uh, Apple TV plus, I think that's what you're supposed to call it. Uh, but, uh, and it, it's, it's great. I'm, I'm only, I just finished season one and so we'll see if season two is hot trash or something like that. But, uh, you just say so for all I, mankind, for all mankind, uh, is it just a, for men? Yes. It's just for men. I mean, th- there is also a theme uh, related to isn't that. that, that isn't that like a hair dye brand just for men? <laughs> there is. I think. Okay, yeah. sorry, Adam. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, uh, but yes, it, that is a theme in the show and they talk about that. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a uh, for all mankind and then we don't examine anything. Uh, it's, it's an alternate history envisioning if the Soviets had reached the moon first. So, and also it's mm-hmm. uh, Ronald D. Moore. So. Uh, that should be all the pitch that people here need to to go watch it. So um, so yeah, it's it's great. Uh, for the episode, I th- think I'm definitely in Bill's camp here too, where it's like, I mean, I don't know, like the, there are like some great. I, I I'm pretty sure I laughed out loud at a, a few moments, but there's definitely a lot, a lot of this episode which is sort of like a. I mean, yeah, I also watched that Gary Mitchell episode, and it was shitty, and... (laughs) (laughs) We reviewed it on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I feel like for my strange new take, I just need to introduce my cat, Hermione, as our fifth podcaster, because she is quite vocal as we are making this recording. So, um, yeah, that's... If you hear this you know, incessant meowing happening. That's, that's my cat. Um, and I, I use a hashtag for her on Instagram, hashtag where is Hermione. So right now Hermione is podcasting. Um, but I need to get a picture of her doing this so I can hashtag her. But anyway, um, my strange new take for the episode, everyone is insane. Like certifiably, I think. (laughs) Like, I just want to take out your brain. What? (laughs) (laughs) No wonder he put a force field up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, let's let's jump into let's jump into some in-depth episode discussion here as the summary from Memory Alpha. To start us off, the USS Cerritos is dispatched on a mission where it ends up in a sci-fi event resulting in quote unquote strange energy, which Commander Ransom inadvertently absorbs. And we we're gonna have to I, I had to teach myself what our format used to be when we did lower decks y'all because it was it's been a, it's been like close to a year and what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about story and writing we're gonna talk about the character development of our various characters we're then gonna talk about the expansion to the world of star trek and throughout we'll try to pepper in some memorable moments that we liked which honestly y'all dear listener i struggled not to just copy and paste the entire script of this episode into into the notes because like and that's how I felt when we were doing Lower Decks last year. It's just full of all of these funny little references that, like... I mean, for example, Rutherford just shouting, I just want to swim with girls! And it's like... <laughs> what? I, anyway, it's it's just it's just ridiculous how many little one-liners are, are in the script here. Um, but... Let, let me let me let me give you some plots here, crew, and you can tell me if you accept my framing of the different plots in this episode or whether you want to, to change it around a little bit. So in my opinion, with the A plot was the ransomites. The the strange energy, the stuff that's happening with God Ransom. There was an eight point Some ransom on the mount, actually. The ransom on the mount. Uh, <laughs> talk about that in a minute. The A point five plot, which is about the mommy-daughter relationship that uh, Mariner and Freeman keep talking about. 
Then we have the B plot with Dendi and Rutherford. And then we have what I call the X plot, which is the end of this episode where we get a quick preview of Boimler and his time on the Titan. So I'm I'm planning to to lead our discussion through with those. Does that does, is that a good plan for y'all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, All let's right. do it. Let's 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 jump in. Well, one thing real quick. I watched the Ready Room, where they reveal this entire season of Lower Decks was recorded from the actors' homes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's just incredible. <laughs> it really is. What? Don't they get a kit? Like, do they get a kit that's sent to them? So that they're having, for some reason, I thought I heard that somewhere, that there's some sort of kit that each person gets. So they're at least using, they're starting from a similar place as far as, you know, trying to trick out whatever part of their house they're recording from. And and all of them basically said that they have very different types of setups in their homes. And they're like, I think Donnie Newsom actually might have a studio in her house, but like the others don't. So for example. Yeah, exactly. And Noel Wells basically said that she was record created a recording space in her closet, probably kidding out the things that she was sent as Emily saying, and then adding mm-hmm. some like audio panels or whatever. And then she got locked in it. She had to like <laughs> send an email to a friend to be like, "Hey, come rescue me from my closet." And her cat was like <laughs> reaching under it to be like, "Feed me. Where's my food? Come on." <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's it's so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I feel like now we need like the dialogue from when she was in the closet and we need to like have Tendi like get stuck in a closet at some point because I think that would be pretty funny. Uh, but For sure. Anyway, so I, I do think that get, I could not tell. I, I listened to the, I, I learned this bit of news after I watched the episode and I could not at any point in this episode tell that this that these actors had recorded it from home Mm-mm. or done it separately it's pretty incredible what voice actors can do because i can tell you from being on a stage when you're not reacting to somebody else saying something and hearing their intonation it's really hard about how to like frame your acting in response to that mm. uh, or how, how to act the lines basically so so kudos to the cast they're very talented but all right so we've heard a couple of times now that this episode sucked. It was the worst episode of Star Trek ever. Um, and and the reason was the A-plot with Ransom going nuts. And uh, yeah, t- tell me a little bit more. I mean, I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was like objectionable. There just wasn't that much there, right? It's like it kind of like a silly joke. Like what if Ransom was Gary Mitchell and, you know... Yeah, yeah, um, it's yeah. Because like, he he would give in to all the things that Riker uh, wouldn't in terms of when he got like the Q powers or whatever, and it's I I, I, I don't know I, I I think for me it, it's so many of the things where it felt like they were like one note jokes like of yes we've had many jokes that are great like mixed into other episodes where it's like. Uh, when you're talking to Ransom, like, he has to be shirtless, like, pumping weights, like, be- just because that's the thing that he does, uh, like, in his spare time. But, like, that we just had, like, f- for several minutes, just, like, oh, and it would be also funny if he, like, made everything a gym. Oh, and then also if everyone had his face and they also wanted to work out. Oh, and then also if we, like, looked at how buff he was. And then... But and it then, wasn't oh, just and- him. <laughs> It was also, uh, it was also, I said Newsome. <laughs> that's the actor. Um, it was also Mariner, though, because she was like, oh, leg day, you know? <laughs> She's doing her spots oh, yeah, in the so holodeck. I, I was like, this is like written theme. by the beach body on demand folks or something. <laughs> like, anyway. I, I, th- which th- I guess that does remind me of what my, my strange new take would have been, but then I just, I got so excited to shit on the episode along with uh, Bill. <laughs> uh, but uh, it essentially, like, it, if I could have the holodeck at like that is absolutely how I would want to do my exercise. Like I've I've always thought about like what what if I could just make Skyrim real or whatever. Like of course I would go run and like th- like hit things with my sword or whatever. Like that would be amazing exercise and I would just like do it all the time. And uh, so a hundred percent get the using the the holodeck as your your exercise and it was, uh, Worf well, showed good. us it worked out so. It was just continuation of her therapy because, um, oh, and I was going to say the female Cardassian must have listened to our podcast about that episode because she said, you are a bad person. (laughs) 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 She's like, whoa, that's mean. (laughs) I can't can't move beyond the simulation without pointing out Boimler shouting, they keep showing me lights. (laughs) Yes, that part was pretty funny. (laughs) 
Um, okay. Uh, I mean, the, okay, I, I get... I, I will validate your feelings, guys, about this episode. But even just hearing you describe Ransom working out <laughs> with those trees, it just makes me laugh. I was, I was in tears on the couch even the second time after I was watching them just assemble Jim. Jeez, the entire planet. Well, I love it. He seems to be focusing on his buys and tries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that was pretty I, good. Okay. Yeah, so I, I kind of, I, I appreciated that. I think what really, like, for me, what really made it is that then he becomes the like giant head, you know, which has happened in TOS a couple of times, or t- TOS with Abraham Lincoln and TNG mm-hmm. with the, I forget the random alien species in the nth degree. We've seen the g- giant head thing in Star Trek, so. I appreciated getting to make fun of that a little bit, um, and I think the other the other piece about this plot that I, I appreciated was that it it gives us just a view into t- a TOS style story, which we haven't had. You know, like this like godlike being kind of mishap with the ripped shirt, right? It, yeah, it's and, and just like. A Starfleet officer going nuts with like power, like this is this is classic TOS style storytelling, uh, and so I I kind of like that Lordex went in that direction for its first episode. Um, so so I think that was one of the reasons I kind of I think the novelty of it all was, was something that I I appreciated, I guess. What do you think, Hermione? Not enough meow. Uh, I, I, th- I think actually, my, so I, I know that uh, so far I've only been hating on this, but I do have plenty to hate on the, the B-plot as well. So when we get around to there. Uh, <laughs> oh, I do have to say, you, you kind of touched on this, but, you know, that scene towards the end when we see um, Ransom in uh, Sick Bay, I was like, man, he really, he belongs on the NX-01 Enterprise um, with that body. Like, <laughs> that's how all of yeah. the men's bodies look on that Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It definitely does. <laughs> so, That's not a TNG era body. <laughs> no. <laughs> so okay, let's talk about the the kind of plot that's kind of jammed into this one, which is the the mommy daughter thing, and that's where we open. And I think this, to me, was the weakest part of the episode. I just didn't find. I still don't find this Freeman Mariner thing compelling. And mm-hmm. I didn't last season. I don't this season. They don't like each other. Cool, like whatever. We'll talk about how their approaches to one another have changed a little bit when we talk about character development. But like, it's just I don't care. I just can't care less that the two of them don't get along. <laughs> yeah. I thought I I thought the dynamic was you know pretty amusing with uh, Ransom as like the third wheel and kind of getting stuck in the middle. Uh, I, I thought that was kind of mm-hmm. fun. <clears throat> Yeah, they, they had to right make it here. more interesting by introducing the under the other uh, perspective into it. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I, I mean, I, I guess you have your solution to it is maybe Mike McMahon doesn't think it's that funny either because he uh, undid it at the end of the episode, and they're probably just going to go yeah. back to what it was. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. it's it's like if you're gonna just have the two of them fight, let them just fight and get it out. But like this, this like I, I just I recently watched Moist Vessel again, which is the one where they have that ge- the the generation ship, which, mm-hmm. which uh, and uh, the captain and Mariner have to like escape together. And it just was again, I just remember just slogging through all of the dialogue about their relationship, and I just don't need that serious kind of stuff um, because I feel like on the one hand it takes away from the tone of the episode. And on the other, we still don't get enough meat on it. Like there's no like exploration of Mariner's psyche. I think Diana last year was all about how Mariner doesn't get any consequences for her actions, like real consequences. She just does whatever she wants and always comes out on top. And that's how I felt here, which is just like, okay, so the, so their relationship, they've just been doing everything and it's, it's worked out, I guess, up to now. And then it collapses and there's no like... There's really no real meat on the bones of that relationship conflict and, like, any consequences or any, like, knock-on effects. It's just kind of there. It feels yeah. like the consequences are felt by other characters and not by Mariner. Her mother, for example, isn't <clears throat> going to be promoted to be a captain of a, what do they call it, a capital ship. Or, no, you yeah. know, I've, it feels like sometimes it's the other characters around Mariner that experience the consequences of her bad actions. 
Yeah. So I, it just, uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to belabor the point, but it, it just, I feel like that plot just needs to go away and we need to get over it and move on. Uh, and I hope that's what's happened in, in this episode. What about, uh, what about the whole thing about how Rutherford is now back, but he's kind of different because that was, that was the end of last season. One of the last scenes was Rutherford basically coming back online and saying, okie dokie, like he used to. So maybe he's not completely been ruined by his, implant being ripped off his face but i mean seriously liking pears really is an indication that something's wrong with you so <laughs> Anybody i mean i'll eat a pear but i'll eat a pear but it's not like i super enjoy it right you know <laughs> so. dude i think they're good yeah they're, they're, they're so really juicy good. there's you know yeah, yeah i mean you, you have to there's a technique to like leaving them out on the counter like just long enough so that they're the optimum level of ripeness uh and yeah so it, you can definitely maybe they're they're one of the more like uh, dangerous fruits to be uh, consuming if you're you're not being careful because you might you might think you're gonna get a nice soft juicy pear and it's just like hard as rocks and mealy. Ooh, yeah. But yeah, I I think they can be done well. It is risky. Yeah, yeah. I like. So if you're pears. if you're a big risk taker, if you're a really bold like adventurous person, pears might be for you. Potentially. All right, there, I see. I see. Um, what do y'all think about Rutherford? Do you think you should have had more kind of like to deal with from from last season, or were you happy that we're, we're he's where he is? I I think that that's part of what frustrated me about this episode is that it it seemed like a um, there was a bit of an acknowledgement of like yes we did change a lot of things in the last episode, but don't worry everybody we're gonna undo each of them so that you can watch episode two of season two and not have seen the end of season one and not worry about it. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I, I wanted to see like, what, it, what is it, even a possibility of like, what would Rutherford be like if he didn't have an implant at all or anything like that? Mm. And, uh, instead it was just like jokes about, uh, him being slightly different when it wasn't like, I, I, I don't know. It, it just, it seemed clear to me that this was just Rutherford exactly the same. I guess, yeah, he likes Barnes again or something, but it, it just, it fell flat for me. But the thing that's also a little weird about it is that uh, Rutherford doesn't seem to have any issues. It's just Tendy that has issues. So it's Tendy trying to change Rutherford to be how she wants Rutherford to be. But he's perfectly, he seems perfectly ha fine and happy the way he is. So that's another little bit of a troubling aspect to that plot. I, so for me, I, I, I like that part because for me, it, it weaponizes like Tendy's kind of what she considers to be her like, because I've met people like this in real life, right? Like where they're like, I'm a really happy and helpful person. And then inside they've got these like really negative things going on that manifest themselves in awkward ways sometimes. And that's what we're seeing. We're basically seeing Rutherford be content with his life and everything's great. And he's like, no, 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 you have to be upset. Like how, and, and it's, it's, I, for me, it's kind of an interesting situation that I'm curious to see how it kind of manifests. We saw it again, last, last time we saw this was where Tendi, again, I'm just going to refer to Moist Vessel because I watched that before where she has like, she wants to get like desperately wants this guy to ascend and he's not doing it. <laughs> and yeah. uh, the other thing about this plot that I appreciated though is it kind of gives you a sense of what life is like on the Enterprise for Lower Decks characters where it's like, oh yeah, the Enterprise is getting into like scrapes all the time and it doesn't interrupt life for Lower Decks people. They just have their like heartfelt conversations <laughs> during a massive crisis. Like then, like the you know the bridge crew are like dealing with this massive problem. A giant head is like jumping on the ship. But Tendi and Rutherford are just having this like heart to heart, <laughs> some <laughs> random bulkhead somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I that's what that's what I loved about season one, episode one uh, of this show was when we we had like the zombie outbreak that would like all was clearly the, supposed to be the a plot of like if this was a T and G episode, and right. for the most part, our characters did not care at all and were only very tangentially involved. But that that you just hit on a good note, which is I mean we, we got to see how season two deals with this, where we are now actually part of the a plot, like our lower decks characters. It's not just mm -hmm. the B plots. It's it's. I guess it's the it's the Starfleet B plot. Like it's basically the B plot. Yeah. Like the entire Cerritos is the B plot. But we're no longer to the point where the bridge crew are doing cool things, and we just follow our little characters in their like side area of the main normal yeah. Star Trek thing. 
So it's going to be interesting to see if we go back to that. Uh, I don't yeah, think I, so, based on the previews. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think so either. I, I think it's maybe the direction is a bit more towards, um, like the Titan is the is the is the bridge crew of of the of like season one or whatever, and the Cerritos itself is lower decks to everything else that's going on in Starfleet. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of the Titan, the uh, what I call the X plot, or I I I think I'm the only person who found that kind of funny but um what what did y'all think it was a very short sequence also i'll point out mariner's still mad at boimler which is which is pretty yeah, critical she'll leave him to be tortured with cardassians or tortured by cardassians yeah she yeah. makes him a part of the program just to <laughs> to leave him behind so uh that's that's not uh muy healthy as they say but we're, we're not okay stop mariner and coworkers in the holodeck danger for this podcast. We don't go there anymore. <laughs> I, I <laughs> have just for 45 minutes today if you want to go into this. Diana's not here to back me up. I'm not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> let, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the, the little Titan preview that we got. What'd y'all think? Well, I thought it was great. <clears throat> so one of the reasons I think that this episode kind of struggled was there wasn't any uh mariner boimler you know uh interaction or tension or whatever to kind of drive the the story forward so but at the end we do you know see what boimler's been up to and he's just freaking out right (laughs) on the on the titan like normal things you know for like uh a plot enterprise you know capital ship like we were just talking about are happening they're in some kind of uh, you know, dogfight and, you know, flying towards a temporal anomaly or something. And Boimler's just freaking out and, and Riker's loving it. He's like, you know, he's like, this is awesome. <laughs> the, the, the operative, uh, the operative quote there is, I, I, I love my job, of course, but then this jam session is too many licks and not enough counts. Okay. Music people. What does, what, what did he mean by that? I have no idea. His too many licks and not enough counts? Is that what he said? Yeah. It's like too many people doing their own little thing, like their own little musical whatever, and trying to fit too much into the parameters of the song. Aha, uh-huh, I see. Okay. All there right. You go. So, Co- coherent explanation of it. Yeah, I... I You've just solved what I got a, my massive, degree in. <laughs> a massive problem on Reddit. Like everyone's like, what does this mean? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> they just needed a music education major to explain it to them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and and Bill, like it's I think I think your kind of piece about that is, is where I come in too. It's just it's it it frees Riker up from being kind of Picard's number one and just makes like amplifies this character to like 11 and we just see what happens if people if normal people reacted to what happened in tng every week someone would be like hey shit seems to happen like every day here <laughs> that doesn't seem healthy like we're doing something wrong can I, I, is it just me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, uh, the thing that I, I want to see uh, now that we really do have this uh, uh, Riker centric part of the show, like I, I, I want to see. So we, we, we have ransom style of like uh, maybe a bit more towards the enterprise level of sexy uh, of just like super ripped dude. I, I want to see the Riker level of sexy where he's like wearing a, a V neck that is entirely too deep. Uh, with right. uh, really hairy chest. Hair. Yeah, like we, we need we need this to happen uh, uh, in a future episode. Oh man, that is <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, Tony Newsom said something on the Ready Room that I think is it's good for us to remember, which is that Lord Dex takes something we remember well in Star Trek, puts a voice act, great voice actor behind it, and makes jokes about it. Um, and I think that's if. I feel like if that that's what she's seeing is the overarching theme of this series, that's probably what um, Mike McMahon also kind of sees it as. So that's probably what we can accept expect going forward. Um, I do, in that regard, though, have a question for y'all, which is we've talked about this a little bit last year, but I I feel like they're gonna lean into it even more given everything I've heard about this show and watching some previews of the next episode. 
essentially the cast was like, we are now more confident about what Lower Decks is. We're not kind of setting up anymore. We're just running with it. And so I want to know how y'all feel now about the constant callbacks and the references and that this Star Trek's job being basically to call back previous Trek and make turn things that we thought maybe were absurd into humor. I mean, I, I, I think it, it, it fits. Uh, I, I got tired of it towards the end of uh, season one. And I, and I think maybe it's, it'll, it'll be something that I, uh, I appreciate like the season of lower decks while it's happening, but, but like, I don't feel bad that it's not a 26 season or 26 episode season or anything like that. Like it, it's, it's fine for this to be sort of condensed into this small this small place, and then we have a lot more Star Trek that uh, sort of balances things out throughout the year. So I I, I think I'm I'm into this being like the purpose of the show. It really makes Lower Decks a Star Trek show for Star Trek fans. I yeah. Guess, I, well, I mean, and maybe there would be Star Trek. May, I, yeah, that's the thing that I think we talked about this last season. Whether or not someone who doesn't isn't familiar with Star Trek at all would enjoy watching it, and maybe they would because it's it's fast paced and you know, but it's I just feel like they wouldn't get as much appreciation out of it. Yeah, I th- I think it's it's fine for what it is, right? For an animated show like this, that's kind of you know lighthearted and and a lot of fun. I think it I think it basically works. Um, I kind of hate the callbacks and canon references and the live action shows like enterprise is the worst it's like oh and what if it was actually the ferengi and then it was actually the borg I and mean, it's like every you know <laughs> alien species you know they can't do anything new right it's just all you know totally recycling you know old canon references but i think here it's 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 intentional right that's like what it's supposed to be and it's funny I listened back to our season one review and I heard myself being like, yeah, you know, I liked it at the beginning. I didn't like it any by the end. And I wonder if that's going to happen again, because I found myself in this episode being like, oh, man, hilarious. There are four lights. Am I right? Um, And (laughs) it's like I found myself enjoying it again, even though obviously a year ago I was sick of it. So it's like. I'm kind of wondering if that break is what you were saying, Adam, where we, we do short seasons, give people a break, like let them like just relax. So it's not like 52 weeks of, Haha, do you remember that time when um, the doomsday machine came around uh, once? Yeah. It, it, eventually they're, they're just going to like run out of episodes and it'll just be like di- digging through the trash of like, okay, here's, we haven't referenced this one from Voyager or like that. Here's an obscure episode from deep space nine that we can call out to. Uh, so the, the, the reference I will call out here is so Donnie Newsom says he's, he's becoming a ransom on the Mount. <laughs> and obviously that's a reference to Santa Maria Jesus. Uh, and you know, <laughs> the 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 good book as it were but there's also kirk on the mount which is a rap remix of an interview with william shatner that i'm now going to play you as the rest of us go into a break so enjoy that listener (laughs) oh you guys are in for a treat Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? To hug the mountain. To envelop that mountain will hug the mountain. To envelop that mountain will hug the mountain. That mountain, that mountain. He wants to make love to the mountain. Tough young guys, sinewy bodies and their fingers and teeny toes challenge the rock, challenging death. Why do I climb the mountain? Because I'm in love. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. Well, we can't discuss this episode without discussing the offensive insult um, on yoga practitioners. (laughs) <laughs> there's nothing wrong with doing yoga for fitness people i just want you to know from me uh to you. okay jennifer yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um, 
Jennifer played by Lauren Lapkus, by the way, which I was I I I remember like vaguely remember calling this out in, in last season, but it's like it's unbelievable that they get an actress of Lauren Lapkus's quality to give one or two lines or whatever it is in this episode, and that's it. Was she was she Boimler's girlfriend last season, or who who did she no, play last that season? No, that was so, so the person who was Boimler's girlfriend was played by the person who plays Britta in Community. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, but she, so Jennifer shows up in the very first episode of Lower Decks as okay. Mariner is running towards something and pushes Jennifer out of the way and says, move Jennifer, which turns out was a improvisation by Donnie Newsom. Yeah, I was going to say, is her name really Jennifer? Or is she it just is. saying that because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason it's Jennifer is because that's the name that Donnie Newsom improvised for her. So. <laughs> because she just made up a name like, okay, Jennifer, like, okay, Karen. Kind yeah. of like that, yeah. And and there's a there's a group of people online who are like obsessed with Jennifer now, and they really wanted her back, so they were all like Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyway, um, but let's talk about character development, y'all. Uh, and I can't start talking about character development without talking about this is a animated show with an extraordinarily hunky, attractive cast. They were all in the ready room, and man. They are all, like, good-looking people. And <laughs> nobody's got a voice for radio, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so, it's it's pretty incredible. That's funny. Yeah, but, I, uh, I, I need to actually watch it. I haven't, haven't seen it. <laughs> I know I haven't seen it yet, either. I need to watch that, too. It's Also, I got some art cues from Jack Quaid. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to try to find... He's got a piece of art that shows up in his background, which is, I think, his living room. And I'm, I'm going to try to, like, get a get a version of it um it's like a it's a model kit but like blown up to art like wall art size so you know like those little kits mm. that have these little pipes and you punch out the pieces yeah, yeah. and assemble mm. yeah so he's got that but it's like a piece of art and i thought that was really cool so um anyway also noelle wells looked like she was in the song uh bye bye birdie uh she has a like light blue uh zo- like it's probably so that she can like have like backgrounds behind her. And then she was wearing kind of like a, a really cute dress and the camera was coming at her from like the top, like looking down on her a little bit. And so if you watch the like song Bye Bye Birdie from I forget if it's the sixties or the fifties now, but it's that's it's exactly the camera movement that happens in that song and it's got a, uh, a lady in a dress singing Bye Bye Birdie on a <laughs> light blue background. So anyway, very adorable. <laughs> But getting back to our characters, what y'all think about Mariner in this episode, y'all? I don't know if we really learn anything new. I mean, she and her mom don't like one another. Um, they tried giving this different arrangement a shot; it didn't work. I don't know if I'm yeah. missing any nuance, but it, yeah. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting to watch mariner actually be honest with her mother rather than hiding behind some sort of like aggression or jokes or whatever like at the Mm. end she says like you know at the moment when she's on the view screen and uh, i forget if it's ransom or freeman who says like this is not working she's like she was about to disagree she's like ah yeah no actually it's not working for me either and I, I just want to go back to, and I thought that was somewhat development because all of last year we had Freeman and Mariner kind of running plots against one another, running, like trying to like hoodwink each other. And here the two of them were like up front. Like the final scene is the two of them just like smiling at each other, accepting who the other is and just being like, cool, uh, which I thought is development for, for the two of them. Yeah, yeah and, and I they s- aren't. Yeah, I, I, I suppose, like, maybe the the upcoming episodes might show us, like, w- what the impact of this one was. Uh, if if they really do just, like, dump that part of the plot line uh, where it's there's no longer that we have to have, like, these plots that are going against each other or whatever. It, like, they, they know exactly where they are now. Also, did you catch Mariner's uh, callback to Gene Roddenberry's TNG policies? <laughs> yes, yeah, no. yeah. I know we're not supposed to have interpersonal conflict, but I hate that Andorian yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, okay. One one other quick point, which is Donnie Newsom said, "Mariner shows vulnerability by being aggressive." 
So that's something to keep in mind in the future when we're analyzing her character. What about, uh, we didn't see much of Boimler here, so I don't want to like put, put too much of a uh, an emphasis on this, but I think we had speculated that he would be out of his depth on the Titan, and exact, it's exactly what he is. Mm -hmm. And uh, next episode's probably going to have him demonstrating that. Apparently, Jack Quaid said he recorded himself shouting Tom Paris's name in a closet in North Carolina, and the actor with the room next door checked to see if he was okay. <laughs> this is while recording, of course. So apparently, this cast spends a lot of time like in random closets all over the place. So <laughs> if I want to be a voice actor, that's what I. I'm gonna make sure I got more closets in this house. But um, all right, let's move on to Tendi. Um, would you all like a pretty, you know, not not a ton of development for Tendi, if you ask me, in this episode? But any any notes on her character? I guess she's always been a little insane, so she just kind of was living into that. Um, continued. <laughs> yeah. Rutherford, we talked about just a little bit. I I just want to call out that it's kind of cool that people go swimming in cetacean ops. <laughs> Swim with whales. Who wouldn't want to do that? Um, Surely, maybe the final episode of Lower Decks is when we're finally going to get to see cetacean ops. They're just going to name drop it like throughout yeah. every season but then we won't actually get to see it until the end i, the door I just starts need them opening, to do it, it goes to black the, the <laughs> door starts opening it goes to black and you hear the door opening sound and i was like wow <laughs> yeah exactly yeah probably um yeah I, i'm curious to see where the tendy rutherford thing goes because it was kind of like will they won't they last year and we're kind of getting back to that it looks like so i i'm I want to see if they escape the tropes, if they do something new, or if they just if they just kind of lean into it more. I don't know. Uh, I can't really tell which direction they're taking. Yeah. yeah, I think it's hard hard to get out of that will they won't they thing because then all the tension just collapses. I mean, I can't help but think of the X Files and like Mulder and Scully, and then you know what did they do? I mean, it was just terrible. They had like a alien baby together or something it was just it just got worse and worse and worse yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible wow i haven't watched the x-files um, you haven't funny. ever no i mean i watched some of it but mm -hmm. like not seriously i did not know that that's what happens yeah they're the alien baby huh uh well moving on to a couple of minor characters we get to see stevens he of the chest bump in season one episode one uh and now he like worships jack ransom and like is, is willing to be his like follower to like the god yeah he was it he's your little buddy <laughs> did anyone did he remind anyone else of captain picard in tapestry when he's not captain picard but he's just like a lieutenant or something in a science uniform because he didn't assert oh himself yeah. or you know <laughs> anyway that's who he reminded me of he he also reads in the end of the episode he reads the poem um nightingale what's it called it was it's it's called uh nightingale woman and that's a reference to gary mitchell who quotes from the same poem from memory and in star trek canon the poem was written in 1996 on the canopus planet in real life, the poem was written by Gene Roddenberry, who originally wrote part of the poem to describe flying a plane. So he's about to read Nightingale Woman Stevens' to, to Ransom at the end there. <laughs> uh, we, 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 we talked about Jennifer. Barnes is, is back, and I, I kind of was kind of sad when they dropped Barnes at the beginning of uh, season one. I thought the, the the dialogue she had with Rutherford was kind of compelling, so I'm hoping that they bring her back a little bit more. I also enjoyed how she's like, man, these joint trills, they can't stop talking about their symbiote. And then I was reflecting, oh, yeah. Like, Jadzia <laughs> keeps talking about all the other people she's been. Like, it's like constant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was a fun take on, on Trill. Mm-hmm. What, what about the senior officers, y'all? Anybody that y'all want to call out some uh, character development on? Tana likes ice cream. She got a lot of uh, screen time in this episode. Yeah, she did. I just thought it was funny when they when her uh, hypo spray got turned into, or something, got turned into an <laughs> yeah. ice cream cone, and then she's like, 
okay. <laughs> and then uses a forklift to drop the rock on top of Ratsy. Yes. Uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about the fact that him getting kicked in the nuts is the thing that like strips his godlike powers. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, which I, I I do like the the neutral zone being dropped in there. That was pretty great. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I I mean it's. I think this is this is the thing that like Loredex does well in my opinion is just like the absurdity of a rock ending someone's godlike state, uh, and they actually like they, it's very serious. Like they're not like no one in the show is like this is a really dumb way to like end someone's godlike powers. They're like nope, we're gonna drop a rock on this guy, and it's exactly what we're gonna do. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it. I, I I guess I I I because we've had some episodes that are supposed in. Uh, the real uh, live action Star Trek, which are like the purposeful the callbacks real to Star previous, Trek. yeah, to peep <laughs> to previous uh, <laughs> to previous episodes where uh, in other series where we're like, okay, oh well, this is how the uh, how Captain Kirk's crew solved this problem. And so I I liked that we had that same callback, but it was like, let's call back the the stupidest solution to the weirdest problem, <laughs> and uh-huh. it really was just like that. Uh, we just beat his ass and dropped a rock on him. <laughs> the the other character development I just wanted to mention real quick is that Captain Freeman, we see that she's trying to get promoted to a capital ship, which I mean mm-hmm. it seems kinda of obvious with the last season we've seen that she wants her crew to like shape up a little bit, but like it's it's interesting to see it get called out a little bit here. Um with Ransom, I wanted to just give a shout to the fact that he was trying to save Mariner. He might be a weirdo, loser, weird, creepy dude, but he does, like, care for his crew and and is willing to, like... Like, he, he's not afraid or kind of, mm-hmm. like, com- like, completely irredeemable, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that that was, that was an interesting touch. Yeah, we we saw a hint of that uh, in the episode where he he does the uh, double fist punch against the the guy in the Vindor. coliseum, like yeah, where he like he he is like supposed to be like a a noble Starfleet uh, first officer so and whatnot. Ethical. Yeah, so ethical. <laughs> <laughs> I I I really wish they hadn't made him like have those few creepy lines that he had in season one. Yeah, just they went like, overboard with that. Like, yeah, it just it just kind of pushes them over the edge a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what they do. I mean, we have uh, a mass murderer that they managed to redeem in Discovery season three, so <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. That section thirty one show apparently is still in the works. Weird. Yeah, I heard that. Mm. Oh. Um, real quick, Fred Datiscori, who played uh, Shaxes, is still in the opening credits. His name is, so we'll see what happens with that. They did an interview on him on Mission Log Live a few weeks ago. Um, so check it out. It's interesting. Uh, he's done lots and lots and lots of voice work, but he actually did a lot of different voices in season one. And mm-hmm. I think he's going to be doing lots of voices in season two as well. I don't know if that means they're going to keep his name in the credits always just because they're planning mm-hmm. on him doing, you know, he couldn't talk about that kind of stuff in the interview. But anyway, it's just interesting to listen to the interview. All right. Well, any other final notes on Strange Energies before we we jump into the next part of this episode? I I mean I I do appreciate that uh they they lean into the like sometimes there's just like a completely dumb bizarre like sci-fi thing that happens during an episode but they always have to give it an over overcomplicated name. I like that this one was just like no, it's Strange Energies. It like does strange things to you. <laughs> <laughs> And there also resulted in the the great call out from Captain Freeman of saying, uh, when she says it, it could give you godlike powers, and she says, humanity has a complicated relationship with organized religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very good. I mean, it's it's also when when the the Cardassian calls out the excruciator. I was like, that's a great name for a torture device. That it's so descriptive. It's perfect. Easy. <laughs> Um, well, let's jump into strange new ratings, y'all. I'm going to go first this time because I just feel like it. Usually I wait till someone else has jumped in a little bit. I'm going to give this a nine on that. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I know that's not going to be universally the, the, what, what happens today, but I'm just going to start there. 
Uh, I'll I'll just uh, follow on there. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give this one a six. Uh, I I think it's a disappointing start to the season for me. Uh, we like we just reverted Rutherford, uh, and I I just feel like there's not a lot of meaningful growth from the last uh, season, and those Jack Ransom jokes seemed overplayed to me. <laughs> just thinking about that makes me laugh. <laughs> So that not not overplayed for everybody, but <laughs> yeah, same same here. I'm with you, Adam. Six out of ten. It was fine. It wasn't terrible, but yeah, not great. I was gonna gi- I was gonna give it a three point five out of five. So you know, solid good enjoyable i'd watch it again well and i always watch lower decks episodes i have to watch them twice because i'm old and they're too fast and i can't catch everything the first time through so well and they're they're short that's what i enjoyed i could watch Mm -hmm. it twice and it wasn't Mm -hmm. like an excruciating dedication of time Mm -hmm. you know uh and i feel like also the humor means the rewatchability if the episode is good is a little bit higher um and then the see more serious Star Treks, or even if I was to watch them back to back, which I don't have the time for, I feel like it would just be a little too much for me to sit through like drama, exactly the same dialogue twice, you know, mm-hmm. um, rather than sitting through comedy twice. Well, with that, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Emily. And thank you, Hermione, for your contribution. You're our <laughs> yeah. fourth member of our cast today. <laughs> uh, thanks, Nigel. <laughs> Always appreciate the Thanks chance not. to discuss Star Trek with you. Thank you, of course. Um, and thank you, dear listeners, for joining us as well. Hopefully, Rudy, Max, and Dinah are among you this week. I hope they're doing great this week as well. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for our theme music. And uh, thank you to... Special thanks to the, to the folks who invented yoga. So offensively derided this this episode. You know, just just... Jennifer likes doing yoga. It's okay. It's totally fine. It keeps a lot of people healthy around the world. Has a lot of flexibility. It's a pseudo-religious experience for some. You know what? It's great. Do yoga, people. All right. Goodbye. See you next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.